Welcome to Rebellion on All Fronts, the only podcast that asks the indelicate question, are you drunk? I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 1, Episode 10 of House of Cards. I really like this episode. I another think, another good strong good and strong one. Yes, there's a lot going on here. Um, a lot of kind of devious behavior on many people's parts, uh, and it's it's very intriguing. So let's talk about what do you want to talk about the main the main plot thread here, which I think what is the main? I mean, would you consider the destruction of Pete? As... I would consider that and Frank's quest to. Uh, kind of clean up after the watershed bill uh that's one the main the same, plot threads. right the, yes because they do plot to take down rousseau basically mm-hmm. um although i don't know that that was okay let's talk about rousseau that that's clearly the main story yeah, right yeah. here um so he is trying to recover from the defeat of the watershed bill last episode uh where basically he was trying to bring jobs in and now those jobs are no longer there, so the people who work for the shipyards or used to work for the shipyards are no longer going to give them give him the vote for the governorship. Right. Uh, so they need to do something to fix that. And the idea that Frank comes up with is he's going to get Remy to bring some uh, to, to build refineries in Philadelphia, which will create jobs, construction jobs, lots refinery of jobs. jobs, tons of jobs. Um, so that's kind of how he sells it to Rousseau. And the fly in this ointment is that it's a complete flip-flop of his previous position, which is a clean water-backed act. Yeah. Um, but as Frank says, the way out is that, you know, if people ask you, say, look, I'm about jobs creation. Sure. The Clean Watershed Act was a partnership with environmental stuff and blah, blah, blah to get jobs created. This is a partnership with oil, but it's all about building jobs. Sure, yeah. And it feels like that... What happened is Pete's Pete didn't play it cool. He went to Frank and threatened him to expose him about the Kerperniak stuff that mm-hmm. they used to bring down the former Secretary of State. Um, and Frank then has to plan. I think this was the plan. It was a win-win plan. Yeah. Uh, he was going to tempt him. Mm-hmm. S- Satan-like with Doug Stamper and Rachel as the contact, which that. That's we can talk about that part of the aspect later. Okay. So he's basically going to tempt him at a public situation with drink and a prostitute. Sure. And it's drugs. two big weaknesses. Well, it's three big weaknesses. <laughs> and then schedule a morning radio show where he could go out and speak about in in big drilling and you know with Remy and his friends at Sandcorp listening in and if he did a good job at that then Sandcorp would back him and the yeah. marriage alliance would be complete. And he would still be on track to be the governor of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And Frank still gets his influence with Rousseau, who is probably soon to be in line for the vice president. And also, imagine. you know, the president is very concerned about the this race and bill, too, because, yeah. you know, we've already talked about last last episode what a big thing this is to the Democratic Party. So 
if it works that way, then mm-hmm. all well and good. Pete passes the test, and he's you know vetted. If he falls off the wagon and self combusts, mm-hmm. then Frank had this other plan. It seems to be in the in the wings, and we don't fully understand it yet. But now, yeah. So the the line at the end of the episode where he says um, that it takes ten seconds to crush a man's ambitions. I need to protect my own now. Right. That to me says that this was, if not his full plan, at least a contingency plan, you know? Well, because now it's like, because we know we had the special election for the governor uh, of Pennsylvania to replace Jim Matthews, yeah. who is now the vice president. I don't know what time, I don't know, I, I don't know what the hell time it is. I'm thinking it's sometime maybe in early summer, just based on the way Adam's apartment looked and, you know, just, just overall the way people are dressing and whatnot. Uh, but... So so that seems like the plan is to get Jim Matthews to step down as vice president and come forward as the savior for Pennsylvania. Sure. Which is going to open up the vice presidency, which uh, was that his plan all along? I mean, I, I don't I, you can't don't say this is his, his plan. plan. No, not all along. Certainly. Um, I think if, if if anything here, he's adapting and pivoting into this new plan. Mm hmm. Uh, after he sees the catastrophic failure of Russo. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's probably more we can talk about there. A lot of it ties into Claire's uh, storyline here. True. Where she is very angry about uh, the way she's been treated by Frank, who is angry about her lying to him and telling the congressman not to vote for the watershed bill in the first place. And Frank doesn't get it. He doesn't. No. I, he... The reason he doesn't get it is because he absolutely does view his ambitions as more important than hers. Yeah, he's like, this. we're working to get me into the White House. And Claire's yeah. like, and and he even makes it explicit. like, yeah, the CWI is important, but it's not mm-hmm. as important as what we're working for. And she's like, what is, who's this we <laughs> you're talking about? Who's this mouse in your pocket? And she makes a very good point that she feels like he has been playing her just like he's been playing everyone else. And that was most certainly not the arrangement that they had when she agreed to marry him and get into this relationship with him. And I don't think he still even gets it because at yeah. the end of the conversations, he's like, is this about your hot flashes? Yeah. Which yeah. is, you know, I guess the middle-aged woman version of are you on the rag? Sure. I mean, surprisingly tone deaf. Yeah. Um, almost unbelievably so, that someone would be so adept at observing humans to manipulate them would be so tone deaf about his wife. You would think so, yeah. But she said, and also we do get a, I do know that it's in, it's either in June or July because Claire says that she hasn't felt like she's been a, a part of, uh, hasn't been a true partner with him for the past six months. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure that the past six months started with, you know, the beginning of this episode. So if that was in January 1st, then we're in July. Okay. That, that sounds about right. I, I think a lot of the stuff, so we've seen... Frank crack under pressure before, right? Mm-hmm. He had a terrible interview with the Vowels uh, against Spinella. Um, I think when things aren't going his way, he has a tendency to self-destruct a little bit. It seems, uh, like, everybody, it seems like everybody is, in this show is a fucking unstable, heavy, radioactive element. Yeah, like, yeah. They're just waiting for one little proton to hit him, and it's chain reaction. Yeah, so maybe that's why he's so... Uh, he doesn't understand what Claire is talking about here. That he's he's just so concerned with getting this uh, 
plan of his back on track. Well, there's just a lot of things coming together in his conversation because the other thing that's mm-hmm. coming together is the fact that he has lost control of Zoe. Yeah. And she finds that out for the first time. Mm-hmm. And her reaction to that was kind of interesting. She basically went in there and pissed all over Zoe's territory. Sure. Went to her yeah. apartment, took obscene liberties, like let herself <laughs> in the front door, barged in when Claire opened the door, started mm-hmm. going through her clothes, passing judgment on her entire life and lifestyle, and yeah. making her feel metaphorically and literally small. Because yeah, yeah. Robin Wright towers over this woman. <laughs> Like even with uh-huh. even accounting for high heels, it's it's the closest she could get without standing on a step stool to giving her the crotch the crotch <laughs> shot crotch of power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Um, that's definitely affecting Frank uh, in ways that he probably doesn't understand himself. Um, th- there's a lot. This whole episode really is about Frank losing control of the situation, um, and th- that is the thing that he just cannot tolerate. I mean, we see him sitting at the chessboard talking to Stamper later on in the episode, uh, and he's like, he hasn't heard from Russo, and he's just waiting. He says he's speculating, and he's useless. And we know from the first episode that he cannot tolerate useless things. Yep. And now he himself is useless, and that, that really just makes him feel terrible. And it's interesting because it's a, it's, it's a, a vicious cycle because as he loses control of the situation, the people that he is controlling start feeling insecure in their positions and they start acting mm-hmm. out in ways like Claire yeah. doesn't trust him to have to put Zoe in her place. So Claire goes over there and it does, yeah. it does like a good cop, bad cop because she pisses all over. But then at the end, she offers a modicum of respect, you know, by saying, well, maybe you're not as naive as I thought a, a woman of yeah. l- a lesser woman wouldn't have opened the door to me. So, it, and then Zoe feels like she has to go, um, and throw Claire in her, his face. And mm-hmm. say, I'm going to run this story to embarrass and humiliate unless you give me a better one. Yeah. And Pete comes to him and says, you need to fix this or I'm going to blow the whistle on Copernic and all that. So it's like, uh-huh. this is a big chain reaction when you're this big of a puppet master. <laughs> yeah. The puppets start jer- jerking on their strings. Sure, sure. Um, so what else is happening with Claire? Claire goes, uh, after their conversation, she takes off and goes wherever wherever Adam lives. I do believe New York. New York. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, she takes off, goes to New York, and stays with Adam for a few days. And you can kind of see, I guess, the relationship that they used to have. It's a microcosm of, you know, the fact that he's, you know, artistic and mm-hmm. really cares about what's going on behind her eyes. And she yeah. talks about how her mother made her feel, and her mother only thought that she should be, you know, only cared if, if she was pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that's, you know, a common complaint amongst women and, and, and their mo- mothers, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the next day when he has this big party with his artist friends, you can see how uncomfortable she is in that environment. Sure. And that rings true to me. I mean, I've, I don't know you if you've had, but I've had relationships where I feel a very strong connection to a person, mm-hmm. but we're from such different worlds that anytime it's like the set overlaps only between our personal space and anytime yeah. someone from my world or their world i would we engage together just didn't work at all sure um and i feel like that this you know we're seeing in the space of a couple of days their whole relationship arc yeah absolutely why they got together in the first place because they do have a connection and then why they ended up breaking up right they're just two different people she doesn't want to hang around the loft and smoke dope and you know dance with women and all that stuff sure yeah 
so that is kind of where we leave Claire at the end of this, right? Yeah. Um, and Frank has used his connection with Meacham, who has a back channel missing persons connection he can yeah. trust to keep a, a search off the books where he tracks her down and finds out. Um, and Frank's pissed. There's something about Adam in particular and their relationship that he does not like. Yeah, it's weird. So they... Because maybe there, this isn't just a pure sexual fling for her. This uh-huh. is an emotional attachment. Absolutely. I think that's certainly a big deal. Um, and Frank knows that if anybody is going to be able to get to her, uh, steal her away, influence her, whatever, it's going to be Adam. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. It, it He's got to know the kind of relationship they had and like the reasons that they're no longer together because he says they talk about everything. They, like... Frank knows everything about her relationships. She knows everything about his, as demonstrated by the spider comment to Zoe. Yes. Uh, it's a very familiar relationship. So it, it tells me that Frank is worried about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Let's, can we talk a little bit about the breakdown of Pete? That's the, that's the one thing I won't talk about. There is one thing? <laughs> I'm, that's I'm the kidding. line is saying you're drawing in our relationship? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Let's talk about it. So did you... I thought this whole thing was very believable, that uh-huh. Pete really put up a pretty good fight. You know, Chris Rock's got a famous saying that, you know, guys can not chase pussy, but Carl Lewis can't outrun it if it chases after them. <laughs> um, okay. And I don't, I don't know that that's true. Uh-huh. I think it's true for certain types of men, and I think Pete is one of those men. Sure, um, yeah. That when someone makes that determine an, an effort, and that's the other thing is he's pride. Like something like that would happen to me, my alarm bells would be going off. Like, what? How in the fuck have I found myself in a situation? Some random hot woman has singled me out <laughs> as, out of the sea of other men to uh, fuck me, mm-hmm. and 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 make no bones about how primal and that's like that. That's just like I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? I'm being set up. I got to be set up. Where's the fucking cameras? <laughs> sure, Jim must yeah. be involved in this. I, I probably am. Chances are, yeah. But he doesn't even think twice about it because yeah, yeah. of his experience and his charisma and his rise through politics and his he. This doesn't seem concerning to him. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can't tell if he expects that she is a prostitute or not. I don't think so, and it's that's what's interesting okay. about. I want to, and I want to talk about this at the end. Rachel's side of this. Yeah. yeah. Um. Do you? Do you think they actually had sex? Hmm. Because she's still in bra and panties at at 7.15 a.m. Yeah, I think she's just been drinking and getting him drunk and smoking. And and she realizes at the end that you don't even remember who I am. We've had sex. Well, she, if the audience doesn't remember, she was the one in the car with him when he got arrested uh, at the very beginning, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and then you, we went through a pretty formative experience, and you mm-hmm. have no idea, and she's kind of, like, disgusted with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also think this is the only time where someone bombing on a show made complete sense to me and was very believable. because he's I, drunk. I, yeah, like, <laughs> and, like, serious drinking. There was tons of bottles. He was smoking, I assume, marijuana, but it could have been, uh, God, you know, Who knows? crack or whatever. Um, it just seems 
believable that a guy could go, you know, at seven fifteen in the morning and thirty minutes later get on a radio show and bomb that badly. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, the, this, this is the only kind of uh, interview train wreck that I fully bought in and believed in. Okay. Uh, what else do we want to talk about with Rachel? You said you had something else you want to talk about at the end. Well, so Rachel seemed so healthy and happy to begin this episode when she was going through her apartment that Doug had helped yeah, set her yeah. up with. And, you know, she, he was doing all these nice things and she hugged him. And he's like, I need you to do one more thing for me. I was asking, like, what more to their relationship? And I forgot about this particular part of the wrinkle in the last episode. But this is pretty cynical of Doug to take this girl, bring her out of her circumstances, make her respect herself, take her out of, you know, being a whore, and then ask her to do it one more time. Yeah. Um, Do you think that there's going to be any fallout, 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 fallout from this situation? I would kind of hope so. Um, With all the stuff we talked about last episode of him having, you know, the heart of gold uh, and maybe some ulterior motives, I, I think there should be. Yeah, to me, it seems like their relationship, I had her pegged right last last episode, that it's a spy master and spy. Yeah. Like, the only reason he cares or tries to do anything is to further, uh, that to keep her quiet, and also, you know, I'm wondering if he was thinking the whole time, you know, it might be useful to have a whore, a prostitute, uh, that's indebted to me, you know, Washington being what it is, mm-hmm. with the sex scans, it, it might be nice to have this kind of operative in my back pocket. Yeah, yeah, it certainly couldn't hurt him to have that pawn to, to move around. Which then makes me believe that... Although he were... doesn't know how to play chess, so he wouldn't even know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a go-man. Uh, but what makes me wonder if they, his relationship with her is not unlike Frank's with Zoe's, and that it is a, a, a power and a possessive thing. Like, he wasn't upset with that manager because he took liberties with... Rachel, just because of that, you don't do that for women. It's more like he was angry that uh, Leon was moving on his property. Hmm. Could be. Could be. I, I haven't quite deciphered their relationship yet. It's 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 very strange to me. Uh, the other thing, uh, Frank finally springs the trap on Linda. Va- well, he doesn't spring the trap. Oh, yeah. But he the, sets up the trap. Yeah, the, the, the bait has been it. well and truly took because, yeah. uh, you know, she has to take the fall because the president's pissed about the bill um, being defeated because mm-hmm. of what it means for the Democratic Party. And also he points out, it's like, you know, I guess uh, my popularity as a president isn't translating to legislative progress because I let you have my chief of staff and nothing happened. Uh-huh. She fessed up to not being there. And then he took the blame for it. He tried to take the blame for it, but more importantly, uh, she mentions that, you know what, I wish I hadn't done it because it didn't work anyway. They decided, yeah. go fuck yourself. Um, so so bef- before we move too far into Linda's, you, you mentioned how the president is kind of screwed by the watershed bill not passing. How does anything that happened in this episode help the president with that? I don't think it does, right? Like, extra jobs is not what the president was after. Then he doesn't, give a, sh- he doesn't give a fucked. shit about Pennsylvania. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. So he's pretty much screwed still at the end of this episode, right? Well, yes. And I think that maybe part of the plan that we don't know about, I'm speculating, and as I don't remember, is that um, Frank is going to position Jim Matthews as going back to Pennsylvania as solving, you know, you got to re- you got to rebellion in the 
uh, White House and a guy who's unhappy, mm-hmm. put him back to his home state, solidify that for the Democrats, solidify yeah. that for the rep- for the representatives in that state, preserve our con- majority in Congress. So mm-hmm. it's going to be like another win-win situation that looks like, you know, that he's going to, they're going to walk right into not knowing that he architected it from, well, not from the beginning. Sure. But from the but... beginning of this episode anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's go back to Linda. So uh, she, you know, fesses up. Yeah. Uh, then Frank says, uh, um, it just so happens that Jillian, uh, Jezebel, uh, was a Stanford superstar, and that she, in fact, describes herself as the poster child for alumni of, you know, how you can go out and make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. So he talks her into calling up the Provo and uh, the dean and putting in a good word for Linda's son, yep. which does work. And he also does this kind of brilliantly because... He waltz. He takes advantage of Claire being away from the the office to basically raid her pantry for uh-huh. goodies. Yep. Um, without you know, um, Jillian has no idea that they're kind of on the outs. She thinks that she's out sick. Um, he also picks up some of her stuff. Do you think that that's significant? Or is I, that just I'm cover? wondering. Yeah, because there are several binders that he has in his hands and her iPad her. and a few other things. Oh, okay. So, Ma- maybe that's just part of him, like trying to find numbers and stuff and search for her. Could be, but I just wonder if he's actually going to do some, uh, you know, diary reading or something like that. Ah, he could. He could. Um. So yeah, then then she talks to the dean, and that all works out for Linda. Uh, and now Linda is indebted and to to Frank, and I think she knows that. Uh, I wonder where that's going to come back on her. Yeah, the other thing is, uh, it just the, the last few minutes is so dense because Pete bombs. Linda calls very concerned, and mm-hmm. he's like, "You know what? Don't even worry about it because we don't even know if it's going to hit the national news." As he's texting Zoe, "Yes, you, you wanted to juice your story instead of me in uh, in, in lieu of my wife's rebellion." Mm-hmm. Well, here's Pete combusting on the the radio show. Yeah, that gets put, tweeted ten minutes later. Then it's on the front page of New York's Time web page ten minutes after that. So it's he already knows it's going to go national. Sure, um, and. Just like that, Pete's done. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, Pete's in the wind at the end of this episode because Doug went over there to try to get him sobered up. That's right. For, almost forgot about that. He went to go get in the shower. Uh, Doug's talking about how, hey, you know, this is working out just why we want how we wanted it to. He goes to get him out of the shower, and he's just taken off. He's gone. So, okay, Pete's on the loose. Uh, a maniac on the loose. A drunken maniac drunken on the loose. Drunken maniac on, on the loose. <laughs> With information about... Frank's uh, dealings with Kern and Kapiniak. Yes. So what is he already Although, threatened to do something? Yeah, with but that. I don't think. I mean, the, I think that he's going to feel like he brought all this on himself, which he did. Okay. Um, of, of course. Yeah. I mean, there, there was no connection. He didn't remember that girl. So that's the no thing. There was no over. He all Frank did was give him the apple. Sure. He of, of the of the the forbidden fruit. He took the bite uh, completely willingly and self destructed himself. Yep, same uh, thing he did right before the uh, Cut Along the Veins episode. Yep. Um, I, I don't know that we've done a good job of describing how the Sandcorp relationship with there, what, you know, the fact, you know, we, we see that, the, you know, bringing refinery jobs to Philadelphia would be good for his constituents, but uh-huh. um, the whole point of the radio interview was that was kind of like the wink 
that, you know, if, if Sancorp would, would tune in and hear him talking up about, you know, bringing refinery jobs there, and that would yeah. be his kind of good faith, uh, a good faith effort or, or a show of good faith that he was going to be, you know, pro-drilling. And for some reason, the, I guess his Republican uh, counterpart or his opponent is also pro-drilling. Yeah, so there's a really good conversation with him at the party between uh, to, between Remy and Russo. Right. Um, or they're, where they're, they're kind of hammering out why they would want to do this and what it would look like. And how this is a radical change, because up until yeah. they, up until last episode, they were opponents. Yes, and and Russo's opponent in the, the race, the, gover- the governor race, is already pro-refineries, like pro... He's pro-drilling. Pro, pro-drilling, yes. So but the idea not, that the Remy wouldn't just go to his opponent and back him yeah. and get the same support uh, for for a guy who's going to work with him is interesting. Um, Remy's response to that is, your opponent isn't asking for refineries in Philadelphia. We prefer friends we can count on. What he really means there is we prefer friends that we control. Because he is he is doing the favor for Pete that he later expects to be paid back on. Yeah, and there's some more in so, so it's like being pro drilling is one thing, but I get and like Remy was, I, I, it's hard to follow, but Remy says there's a lot of advantages to having refineries in a major metropolitan area, mm-hmm. transportation, workforce, blah blah blah. The big disadvantages is as a pain in the ass it permits because nobody wants a refinery built in their back yeah. door, and it costs a lot of money to get the pipelines put in and yeah, the, and the infrastructure. But what could grease the wheels is this idea of uh you know instead of having to apply for permit in particular sites you get like you know just statewide at will permits to open these things so the the local municipalities can't block the sites and can't tie it up in legal work and that's what the governor he is saying as a governor that he can help push through and And that's like like, that's way more than being pro drilling that's just being in their pocket yeah absolutely so it's the difference between being obstruct, you know, not obstructing you and actively helping you, for sure. All right, I think we fe- we covered it fairly well. At okay, this point. I do too. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new House of Cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link when you shop online. Just go to amazon.ballmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, it costs you nothing. And be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Check out our website for all our other great television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our great pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at BaldMove and on Facebook.com slash BaldMove. And don't forget to join us on Valentine's Day weekend starting Saturday, February 14th for our coverage of Season 2 of House of Cards. See you next time.